All right, Zachy, welcome to episode 196 of the podcast. I just realized I'm getting very close to 200, which is really cool. Wow. Okay, it's better yeah, now. Yeah, went ahead and changed the Wi-Fi back again to the other one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I missed the last part you just said. You got back from Lisbon? I just got back from Lisbon. Uh, I was there for Cosmoverse and Breakpoint. Uh, it was a really good time. Had a great time at Lisbon. Yeah, yeah. What would you do there exactly? Just dive into stuff about Cosmos um, or what would that entail? Yeah. I mean, so Cosmoverse was this like kind of amazing thing. Um, it was, it was, you know, so the story of Cosmoverse was um, Jack Zamplin and um, Joe George from the Cosmos community and I sort of came up with this idea at the beginning of at the beginning of 2021. We were like, "Hey, like, there's not a lot of grassroots marketing of Cosmos. Um, no one's really pushing the Cosmos narrative. We have, you know, IVC launching. Uh, we need to build more community awareness um, around Cosmos. Um, and so we got a, a budget of 150,000 atoms from the uh, uh, community, uh, the on-chain treasury of the Cosmos Hub, and we went around." Um, uh, you know, working on uh, uh, ways of spending that money, um, sponsoring podcasts, meeting YouTubers, organizing interviews, all of these things. Um, and then as this whole, like, you know, as the sort of anchors of, of LizCon and Breakpoint sort of showed up, a bunch of the people that we've been working with had actually moved to Lisbon and they were like, we're going to throw a conference. And originally it was like, the scope was like a meetup in a park. Um, mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, give us some money and we'll, we'll, we'll try and like do a legit conference. And so they were like, okay, like send us some atoms. So we sent them a few thousand atoms um, that was left in our budget. We were like, you know, we, des we were very desperate to close this out by the end of the year. Uh, so we, we sent them some of the remaining atoms of budget. We're like, and like expectations, my expectations were frankly low. I was like, none of these people have organized an event before. I hope it works out. Um, and my, you know, and then they convinced like everyone from Cosmos, um, to come to Lisbon, um, and uh, and and so then people were like, "What is this event gonna be like?" I was like, "I have no idea," but a lot of really cool people are coming, so it'll be a good time. Uh, and I got there, and then the event was phenomenal, like incredibly well organized, like like it was produced by an event team that had done hundreds of events, like just f phenomenal. And then every you know, so much of the Cosmos community was there. Uh, we were able to spend like just a lot of time together, and that was really good. Um, and then, uh, and then I stayed for Breakpoint um, uh, and really got to experience the Solana community and really got, which I'd been very excited to like sort of uh, uh, meet uh, a lot of people in the Solana dev community because, you know, you see on Twitter, like a lot of people talking about being new to the crypto space and coming in and like building stuff on top of Solana. And I just like wanted to meet those people and see what they were like. Um, Cause you know, I tend to, you know, my, you know, my cohort uh, of people in blockchains has, has like you know it's like i've been in the space since 20 like late 2013 and mm. you know a lot of the people that like i work with i i recruited this space from like 2016 2017 2018 you know we've all been doing this for quite some time it's really kind of exciting whenever you get to meet someone who's just like completely new mm -hmm. yeah that's how i feel all the time in the space when i'm doing the podcast especially um i'm always meeting new people and and learning and um, it's, it's just crazy how fast you figure out the space is moving and how there's new stuff happening every single day. And you're just like, what, what is that term? What, what is uh, that new, um, project, that new coin, that new scaling solution. And there's just always something coming out. 
It is. Um, it is. I mean, the speed right now is just unbelievable, though. Um, mm-hmm. Like the you know the first the first big acceleration was 2017, and then but in 2017, like in most things, I could like read a white paper and just be like, okay, this is a waste of my time. Like read the first page, waste of my time. Move on. Um, and there was still not that much that was interesting, mm-hmm. and then you just started to see like. 2018, 2019 was this like massive acceleration that kind of led us into like this market. Yeah. And what's cool, it's not just happening, you know, with Ethereum too, it's happening on other blockchains. Um, and it's led to all kinds of different innovations like Cosmos, for example, Cosmos has grown tremendously in the past year or so. Um, and there's so many people I've had on the podcast that have been building on Cosmos, which is surprising. Um, and same thing with Solana. There were a lot of people that were building on Solana, uh, especially this past spring. I didn't really understand what Solana was like January, February. Uh, everyone was so excited and telling me how they were building cool things on it. I'm like, what the hell is a Solana thing? And then six, seven yeah, months I mean, later. Just, <laughs> I mean, that's not that that is, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, during the during the this, you know, the 2018, 2019 cycle, you know, we built a lot of infrastructure. Like mm-hmm. we all built a lot of infrastructure, a lot of platform technologies got built. Um in 2018 and 2019 and now for everyone who's new coming to the space they're experiencing like a completely different world than like the blockchain that i knew when there's mm-hmm. there's just so many different possibilities of cool things you could be building on um and cosmos is i think one of them uh, but i don't you know uh what i what i what the reason i you know i spent you know basically the last five years working in cosmos has been because we foresaw the multi-chain future we mm-hmm. saw that there would be this demand for lots of blockchains. Um, and we wanted to have the platform technologies, the interop protocols, the proof of stake technology to enable that to exist. Uh, and it does exist. And it's just so ex- like exciting and satisfying to see all these people using it and building on top of it. Yeah. Do you think Cosmos is the future of that for interoperability? Or is it just the best one that exists at the time that kind of allows you to you know build things around that? Um. So I think the best thing about Cosmos is that we are we stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. Um, Cosmos is an implementation of two very old sets of ideas. Um, one set of ideas is Byzantine fault tolerant consensus. Um, what Jay, like co-founder of Cosmos, came up with, and like creator of Tendermint, and like his like visionary insight was how do I like combine 40 years of academic research with like the amazing success of the Bitcoin blockchain to like create something um, that has like the strengths of both. And that has like enormously taken off because whether or not you build on top of Tendermint, like Core or Cosmos, most modern blockchain platforms are descendants of Jay's ideas about how do you like architect a blockchain? How do you build uh, a consensus protocol? those are, you know, hugely, that was, that was, that's one way in which we stand on shoulders of giants. The other way in which we stand on shoulders of giants is, um, you know, I had been looking at, at like all kinds of, you know, I've been working on all kinds of different blockchain scaling solutions in 2016. I was helping with Definity. I was helping with ETH 2.0. Um, I was, I was looking at like the early plasma research. Like I was just kind of all over these, all over the blockchain scaling space. Um, and one of the ideas that I was aware of was these was the idea of these ideas from Mark Miller um, about uh, like cooperation between sovereign systems, um, decentralized cooperation between, 
And so he had this protocol called CAPTP, um, which is basically the inspiration of IBC. Um, and then when we came, when it actually came time to, to, uh, to, uh, to um, implement IBC, Mark had founded Agoric, um, and we were actually able to work with them to build IBC. And so again, IBC is built on these like 30 year old ideas. Um, and so, you know, these ideas have been around for a very long time, have been implemented in various forms over the years. Cosmos is really the first permissionless at scale implementation, but it's like why, you know, I, you know, my long-term bullishness comes from the fact that like these ideas have been around for a long time, have stood the test of time. Um, and Cosmos is really like the first place in which they found uh, a sort of at scale public internet home. Yeah, Cosmos is very exciting and it's cool what people are doing with it right now. Um, what are you guys doing with it in terms of um, occlusion? Like what's, what's your guys' goal? What are you guys trying to accomplish? Okay, so one of the things that I is like, sort of like the career high for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is the biggest thing you've accomplished in blockchain um, so far was before the, before sort of the 2018 Cosmos launch process, proof of stake was really like, if you looked at most networks, the number of active nodes were very limited. It was mostly run, you know, there were proof of stake networks that existed, but like all of the nodes were run by like a foundation or like the founders. Um, it was, it was really not an independently operated network. It was just like the same people who ran the, who, who, uh, um, and all of the proof of work maximalists were like, you can never produce a proof of stake network that is independently operated. It'll always just be the sort of same people who developed the software is also going to operate the network. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really wanted to show that that was not the case. Um, so I went out and I recruited all these validators, um, and these validators have now many, they've all turned into like massive businesses. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to do was uh, also run a validator myself. Um, so, you know, myself and my co-founders of Occlusion, Tony, Shella, and Christy, um, you know, we embarked on this vision in 2018 of, hey, like we're going to run a validator on the Cosmos Hub. We'll run a validator on other Cosmos networks. We'll support other networks beyond that. Now, we have not been nearly as aggressive um, as... Uh, uh, as some of the validator businesses out there, we, we didn't turn into Bison Trails or Figment. Um, but we, uh, we have continued to validate on a bunch of different Cosmos networks. We continue to build uh, technology around that. But, you know, we are this hybrid. We do sort of protocol development, protocol R&D, um, cryptography R&D, uh, and we also run validators uh, on a bunch of different networks uh, and encourage people on Cosmos networks like Osmosis or the Hub to delegate to us uh, because when you delegate to us, you support all the great work that we've been doing um, uh, on, on Cosmos and in other blockchain networks. Um, so, you know, that's what inclusion is. Mm -hmm. Cool. So you guys pretty much help facilitate the back end for a lot of these <laughs> blockchains, running the nodes and everything. Yep. And, you know, dog, you know, I was telling, like I said, I was, I was running around mm -hmm. convincing all these people that they should, do, should start businesses to do this. And it would be the, like, a complete failure if I wasn't running one myself, because it's like, how do you learn like what's involved and what's entailed in, mm -hmm. in actually running one of these validator businesses other than running one yourself? Yeah, what does it entail to run one of those validator node type businesses where you're hosting all those? Is it similar in any kind of way to like when you're running a mining op, um, like in the past, or is it uh, completely different or what? what's similar? I, I think that it's, you know, several people um, mm -hmm. cross the chasm 
from running miners to proof of uh, uh, proof of stake. Um, you know, Stakefish, for instance, is was was uh, founded by F two Pool, like the same people behind F two Pool, which is a mm -hmm. big mining pool. Um, uh, the Bison Trails founders were also ex proof of work guys, um, but there are, there are a lot of differences, right? Um, at least, you know, and like the, the it's all changing over time, right? But like, mm -hmm. you know, if you'd compare, so in in uh, in 2018, 2019, um, if you were running a mining operation, yeah, you had to like organize a lot of different computers. And so like the physical scale of proof of stake was much smaller. Like maybe you have like a single rack in a data center or you run everything in the cloud. Um, but it was like, you know, you didn't have, you weren't like trying to get like large, you know, warehouses full of machines to do uh, 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 running a validator. But the difference is also uptime, uh, uptime and security. Um, you know, in, in uh, running a validator, you needed to have like these always online private keys. Um, and all of the, you know, the protocols punish you for being offline. So you can lose, you can lose money, you get slashed, you lose rewards uh, if you go offline um, to a much greater extent than if you go offline in a proof of work setting. So this sort of like highly redundant, always on infrastructure that could secure an always online private key. Like you can't have a, like to a certain extent, and this isn't entirely true, but you can't have a cold wallet running a validator. Like you mm -hmm. do have to have a hot key. Um, uh, running the validator. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we built for, for Cosmos was we, Occlusion built the um, uh, hardware security module integration for Tendermint to allow validators to use uh, hardware security devices to store their keys. Uh, it was one of our like sort of big initial contributions. Got it. Is this profitable or a viable type of business someone could run? Or is it like, oh, like yeah, a side absolutely. thing? I mean, val running a validator has turned out to be enormously profitable. Mm. Um, you know, there are thousands of these validator businesses now around the world. Um, and one of the things that, you know, it's sort of interesting, right? I would say the big, most profitable part of running a validator in 2016, you know, so we started this incentivized testnet idea. Um, mm. And like where the incentivized testnet idea came from was, you know, we had all of these people participating like sort of for free and helping us build um, this validator network in 2018. And many of them weren't, you know, token holders for, for Adams um, at the mm -hmm. time. And it was like, okay, how do we get these people into the network? How do we align incentives? Um, and so we came up with this idea of doing incentivized testnets um, where we would reward people for tokens uh, as part of like a competitive test net scenario. And like this idea unleashed a monster. Like, you know, after after the success of Game of Stakes, uh, which was enormously fun, enormously exciting, everybody loved it. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we gave out tokens to, you know, probably 60 or so uh, validators who participated in Game of Stakes. Every other protocol now, it just became like the 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 standard of operation for every protocol to launch with an incentivized testnet, um, and so participating in those test nets, validating in the early days of protocols, turned out to be enormously profitable when the bull market came. Um, you know, like the 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 uh, the Solana uh, test nets, I think are worth like ten million dollars, like right, rewards right now, or like mm -hmm. worth like a million dollars right now. Um, you know, we gave out. You know, 
20, 30,000 atoms to most of the game of stakes participants. And if they held, you know, it's like half a million dollars, right? Um, some of them much more. Um, and so, you know, there were a lot of opportunities at that time. Uh, I do think the incentivized testnet thing has kind of, you know, over outlived its usefulness to a certain extent, because now there are so many of these validators and there's, and they're very good, Like you don't need to like necessarily spray a bunch of tokens at people to get good validators on your network. So for sommelier, we have not, we, we are not, we haven't done an incentivized test yet. We don't really intend to, um, mm -hmm. make that part of our, our, our launch process. Do you guys plan to scale it up more? Like, do you want to take on more nodes or other networks and kind of grow that business even more? Um, have got I think the, the intention for some, for occlusion is mostly to stick to, you know, cosmos and a few other networks. Mm -hmm. Um, we aren't planning on really blowing up the scale that much. Um, but we do like to, you know, in many ways, like occlusion was like one of the places where sommelier was developed. We have other ideas, programs, things that we're sort of incubating inside of sommelier. So I, uh, in, incubating inside of occlusion, I just sort of view it as an incubator of, uh, of, you know, the four of us and our ideas. Got it. Um, let me ask you a bit more broad question. What do you think of, um, you know, the state of crypto right now in the markets, um, you know, kind of given where everything's at going toward the end of the year, um, given where it's performed at the beginning of the year and how it's kind of picked up in the fall um, and the large amount of interest, um, where do you think things are heading? Um, it's sort of, in, you know, it's interesting to me. Um, I mean, I think everybody is kind of like, you know, uh, uh, waiting and wondering what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the the classic top signal of the Ethereum Foundation selling a bunch of ETH uh, has occurred. Um, mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that they have uh, divine insights into what the crypto markets are going to do. Um, I think that things, you know, I generally think, though, the market is just so much healthier than, like, what I've experienced in the past. Um, people don't really, you know, in 2017, the market structure was incredibly, like the market was incredibly fragile. Nobody was really using any of these protocols and these networks. Um, very few genuinely interesting things were being built on top of them across a variety, like across like any metric. Um, and so like the whole thing seemed like, you know, really poised to just like fall over. Um, on uh you know like starting with you know DeFi summer 2020 and going into this year like again the the surface area of genuinely interesting things has just like expanded and expanded and expanded um and there's just so much generally genuinely interesting stuff uh being built and so i don't you know i am i may be a super psycho believer like you know mm -hmm. i i uh you know 99.9% .9 of my net worth is in crypto and you know it's like uh, here to stay uh, i'm not planning on getting out anytime soon do you think there was going to be an end to this whole super cycle thing i know it's kind of been on point the last every like four or five years um and kind of just following bitcoin as it goes up which seems to still be going up i mean it's just kind of sitting there at it's you know recent break above its all-time high i mean I, I do think that the market will never, like the crypto market itself will never mm -hmm. be mature until these assets start moving independently of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Like as long as Bitcoin is like the, like the, uh, uh, 
you know, the majority of the momentum, you know, Bitcoin is, a, is, is uh, I think, a very interesting asset, a very good asset. But mm -hmm. like all of these assets, the crypto assets that have sort of matured now have such like different characteristics, different possibility spaces, you know, different genuinely interesting technology underneath them, that as long as we're just kind of like, you know, kind of sitting behind Bitcoin, uh, it's uh, it, it, the, the market will not have achieved its full form. The other thing that I really believe is that like, like the long term trajectory of this of this asset class is to build a hundred trillion dollar asset class mm -hmm. across you know the portfolio of all crypto assets, um, and I, I think that 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 future is pretty much inevitable. Um, and the question has really been the timescales. Like, is it a is it five years or is it twenty five years? I think that's like the balance. Yeah, I mean, it's going to hit that at some point, probably at least somewhere in the trillions. You know, Bitcoin can get anywhere between six and eight trillion total market capital march that of um, gold globally. Um, Ethereum, you know, some other projects maybe um, reaching multi-trillion dollar market caps, depending on how much they have going on on chain. So it feels like the market's really just being carried by NFTs and DeFi right now. I don't, a lot hasn't like really taken place, and it's already at like what two trillion dollar total yeah. crypto market cap so there's a lot of room to grow so it feels like we're just kind of getting started with people getting sure into blockchain so but, imagine we'll yeah. get there yeah and again in you know like 2017 was like you know we put up a sign that says we're gonna you know we're gonna mm -hmm. we're gonna build a, a building here and then a, a line of people, you know, showed up that stretched around the block and we're like, guys, this could take, we need, we need two years to build the building. Like, there's nothing here yet. <laughs> like, we just, we're just like announced that we're building something. Mm -hmm. But now that people are showing up, there, there are lots of cool things for them. There are lots of places for them to go. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, you know, the things that make me most excited are, um, the things that makes me most excited are, you know, the number of people who just have wallets, the number of people who are interacting on chain, the number of people who are crossing the chasm into the multi-chain world. Um, all of that stuff's really exciting to me. The things that worry me are custody is still a disaster. Uh, you know, it's just like, it's it's tragic how bad things are. Um, custody is still a massive, a massive problem. Um, and, you know, we still have to, you know, exactly how we get to the world where like, you know, businesses pay their invoices on chain. Um, it's still, you know, like the path, like the exact path that we're going to take there to get there is still unclear. Yeah, it's who I, knows you know, how we get there. NFTs, DeFi have continued to prove themselves. Yeah, it really feels like the space has been carried by NFTs and DeFi in the last year, year and a half. Um, the way but, I describe NFTs, though, is basically... Mm -hmm. What people wanted from 2017 is they wanted assets that like go up and down in value a lot. Um, and like they wanted to trade those assets and they really disliked how they needed a PhD in computer science to understand what the asset was. Um, and, you know, it, it's uh, and NFTs have really given them what they wanted, which is assets that go up and down a lot and like are much more approachable. Um, than like these complex computer science projects like Cosmos or Polkadot or sure. Solana. They're, they're more attractive, more easy to use at first. So yeah, they're yeah. getting early attention. And so I think that, I think it's great. I think, uh, I, I think it's phenomenal.
Yeah. I, I and it's like, it. you know, it, it's like, it's just great. It's, it's fantastic to me that like the L2s and so on exist and are able to like absorb all of this interest in users and just mm -hmm. in NFTs. Yeah, I, I think we'll start seeing that stuff shift over time. Um, again, I think that's just all it is. It's a game of time. Eventually, you know, if you build a product that's as good or a service is that good on blockchain, eventually people and money will gravitate towards it. So it'll happen yeah, eventually. I don't know. I let, like, I, I heard, that I've been seeing this term on Twitter, GameFi, uh, mm -hmm. gaming plus DeFi. And I, that to me seems like logical and inevitable. Um, yeah. Like, you know, people are going to pay their rent by like mortgaging their like video game items. Like it's going to happen. Yeah, NFTs and the metaverse, that stuff is going to blow each other up um, yeah. immensely. So I see that coming very quickly. Um, this is probably a good place for us to slowly start wrapping it up. Um, Zachy, what's, uh, how can people follow you and keep up with you and you know your thoughts? Yeah, what you do? Uh, and... I'm, I'm primarily on Twitter. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I live and die by Twitter. At Z M A N I A N. I tend to be, you know, around the Cosmos community. Uh, I'm, you know, sommelier, uh, sommelier.finance is our website. It's the main protocol that I'm working on, uh, continuing to just build the multi-chain future. Perfect. Zachy, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. I'll be sure to put all that stuff, including uh, links to Twitter and whatnot, in the description so people can find it and find you. Um, otherwise, thanks for taking the time to come on again and hope to have you on again in the future, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to go deeper into sommelier and oh, yeah. all the other stuff. You, anytime you see I'm building something mm -hmm. cool, just like hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And if you got something coming up, let me know. We can definitely chat about it. Unfortunately, I try and cap them at about 30 minutes max. So we'll definitely have to do a follow-up, maybe a part two or part three. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, Sounds good, Brandon. Man. All right.